If you're interested in learning how I launched Zim Excellence, then you're in luck. Sign up for my podcast workshop and learn how it's easier and more affordable than ever to start a podcast. Also, grab yourself a copy of my podcast resource guide, which covers industry terminology, suggested tech setup, in addition to countless free online resources to support your podcast journey. Just head to wongai.com forward slash podcast creation. That's wongai.com forward slash podcast creation. The link will also be down in the show notes. Now, let's start the show. Yeah, welcome to the party. Hello, Makadini Salibonani. My name is Wongai, and you're listening to Zim Excellence, a weekly celebration of Zimbabwe's change makers and trailblazers. So here's the secret, y'all. Zimbabweans are actually dope AF, and it's just time that we recognize it. So grab yourself a plate of sadza and grab that stony ginger beer and let the party begin. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Zim Excellence. Today, my guest is someone who wears many, many hats. He is a musician and composer born in Harare and now based in Ibiza, Spain, where he is developing various music projects under his own record label, Runway Vertical Records. He is also a business marketing and branding consultant who helps creatives and entrepreneurs around the world succeed in today's fast-paced digital world. During the pandemic, he founded Zimexite, a Zimbabwean culture fashion brand that promotes a fun spirit of inclusion and global diversity inspired by all things Zimbabwe. Also in development is African Astronauts, which is a multimedia project to help empower and unite Africans all around the world by providing a platform for Africans to tell their own stories. Please welcome Ryan Korea. What's up, everybody? Whoa, hey, ho. Nice <laughs> <Yeah>. to be here. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, like I said, you wear many, many hats. And I, I know there are definitely some hats I missed off of the list. You are the truest example in this 2021 of being a multi-passionate. That's what I believe. How do you feel about that? That description, multi-passionate, that adjective. I love that. I'm going to actually adopt that. Thank you very much. Yeah. That's some great. people say multi-hyphenate, but it's like, no, multi-passionate. It's just like... Not just... multi-passionate. Yeah. Yeah, Do you know why? Because you've hit, you've hit on the magic word. So I have different genres, right? So two mm. genres um, in musically, one of them is acoustic folk music, but the micro niche I have coined is passion folk. And then oh. the pop that I do, I call it passion pop. So uh-huh. multi-passion is just great because that's what I am. I'm just, I am, Ryan is a passionate individual, full stop. So whatever he's working on or whatever he's into, he's going to be passionate about it. And that can obviously be different things. That's what I really think is not so crazy an idea, to be honest, as a human being. I think we are multifaceted creatures and it's okay to grow up being a goth at school and being into Nirvana and then yes! being a 25 year old and then, you know, being an accountant and going, that's totally what I'm passionate about. And then being in your thirties and going, actually, I'm now a hippie. Like, you know what I mean? Like as long as you're yeah. doing you, I say, do you. 
I'm just like, follow the wave of like what your intuition tells you to do, even if it doesn't make sense. Um, So one thing I did leave off this bio when I condensed it is you actually did the music for a cook-off, which is Zimbabwe's first ever film on Netflix. But we'll get into that later. I always like to begin with talking about people's origin stories. So Ryan, you are a Zim Excellence superhero because I'm a nerd and I like superhero <laughs> analogies. Mm-hmm. Um, and every superhero has their own origin story. You were born here in Harare and now you live in Spain. I'd love it if you could share with us a little bit about your origin story so that the listeners and those unfamiliar with who you are can understand how you got from point A to point B. Take it away. <laughs> oh my gosh. The Ryan Korea origin story would probably have to be this crazy. It starts series. with a trailer. It's like, dun, dun, this summer. <laughs> exactly. This summer and for the next 17 summers, so we can fit everything in. Strapping <laughs> everybody, it's going to be quite a ride. How did this young boy from Harare, Zimbabwe, in the neighborhood of Belvedere, who went to Belvedere Junior School, and struggled financially from the beginning, <laughs> like school fees was an issue, get to the point where he's traveling around the world and playing music to many people and just bringing love and passion. How did he do that? Um, I think the origin story really is that, like I come from a a born free, as we joke about it, right? Generation born in 1980, which is weird to say like uh, Zimbabwe, 1980 and your birthday, 1980, from a perspective of growing up in a country that was so brand new and so full of hope and so full of diversity and as we called ourselves the rainbow nation and i really will always appreciate that being able to grow in a country where i went to school with people who grace wasn't an issue and my parents it was very different our parents generation didn't grow up like that they grew up segregated for the most part and that's a reality that really does help shape your your future you know because Mm. we are the first generation of for example going to prince edward right which is my high school and as a, an adjudicator, because I also adjudicate the National Institute of Allied Arts, the Eisteddfords. And so recently I went to the Eisteddfords as an adjudicator. And I remember I took some PE boys with me to this cello class from one of the guest um, adjudicators. And they were just vexed with me. They were, they were like, sir, you just walk into the room because we were late. And you just walk into this like little recital, you know, so with so much confidence. And like, there's all these white people and you just carry yourself like, and I'm like, what do you mean? And then having a conversation with them and realizing that, they can count how many white people are in Prince Edward with one hand now. When I grew up, it was so diverse in many ways. So that for me, I think is really interesting is that I come from a pocket of Zimbabwean history that is quite unique unto itself. Origin story for Ryan Korea, born in Harare at Mbuyanehanda Hospital, as many of us were. Legends only. <laughs> as many of us were. My first few years were in Southerton, which is a southern um, suburb in Harare. And my gran is where, that's where she lived. And so my mom at that point, because my mom was young when she had me, like she had just turned 19. So we only moved into our home in Belvedere when she was 21 and when I was about three. Mm. So my first years, I think, would have been in Southerton and then in Waterfalls, Parktown, where my dad's family uh, were based. And then we had our own home. I remember being this kid who was always entertaining already. Like I used to like do all these accents for everybody. Hello, hello. And mind your language. 
I love Alo Alo. Right? <laughs> yes. And mind your language was, was on TV and I used to do all these very good Indian accents making the whole family laughing so much, you know? So they always said, Ryan, was this entertainer and you was you make us laugh and you were a natural entertainer in that sense. So I think that's where it started. But that was all the acting first. But an uncle told me recently that he remembers me being a very young and they put me in the back of their VW Beetle or whatever and go and, you know, um, drive me around and I would know all the words to Phil Collins on the radio. Like, so apparently I don't have the memory, but apparently I was already into the beats and the music and singing. But my first real memory of really reacting to music is when I was probably about four, three, four. And I just remember thinking, I love this stuff. And the first song that really spoke to me, my heart in a way, funny enough, was the Rolling Stones. And it's weird because as we were recording this, they've just lost their drummer. Like Charlie Watts know, yeah. has literally passed, I think, over the last 24 hours. And that's so sad to hear because those guys have been through a lot and have gone through a lot. And I've always been in such awe of them because a lot of our pop stars, a lot of them didn't survive for very long. And these guys, they had a secret. Whatever it was, they were like going, you know? So a song called Angie, really spoke to me. And I and I think it makes sense because when I listen to it, I'm like, of course, it's got that soul vibe. It's got this emotion to it and this like stuff that just really goes deep. So I really feel like that's my first strong reaction that I remember to music and me going, I got to learn how to play this over and over again. And I did at that age. I remember I used to go and get the vinyl, put it on the record when my parents were at work and I'd know how to put the needle on song number, whatever it was, and I play the song. So by grade one, Apparently, my mom said that the school came to her and said, listen, your son is a little performer, yo. So we recommend you enlist, you enlist him in speech and drama. We've got a really great teacher lessons. And so I started doing speech and drama lessons with Beryl Pollard was her name. And she would literally scribble and scratch all these poems with red ink and go, no, longer pause here and say this like that. So I had really good speech and drama training from very early on. And then I fell in love with music even more because we had this amazing school choir and, you know, an assembly on a Wednesday or whatever it was, we had to go into the school hall as junior school kids and sing these cool songs and hymns and whatever. And we had an amazing choir mistress. Ava Rogers, like shout out to Ava Rogers. Like a lot of people listening to this will know exactly who Ava Rogers is. And she's this incredible teacher who's literally taught most of us. Belvedere Junior School, Hartman House, and many other schools. I know she's been involved with musically, reps theater. She's done amazing things. Music, music direction. She's a musician herself, a beautiful voice. She was in a girl group. I'm going to try and remember what they were called. Something Sisters. And they did amazing stuff. They did TV adverts. So she was literally at the helm and got like, can you imagine like hundreds of school kids to sing in unison as the, the music director playing the piano, assisted by Mrs. Marshall, I believe, was the other teacher I remember. And so for me, that's what I feel like. My origin story already began. I already knew I was into the arts because that's what I strongly resonated with and reacted to. So by the time I got to high school, I was able to start playing classical music. And that's for me is, I think, a very good origin story. Mm -hmm. Form one, Prince Edward High School, you know, you're there with your oversized blazer and you're looking at all these big testosterone, you know, led teenagers looking down at you grunting and you're just going, why am I here? I still remember, I, I want to share this story. My, f my last day of junior school, when we used to sing the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, 
I am triggered. Right? And then you get to Prince Edward. I won't bore you with the details, but it was a harrowing experience just to get there on time on the first day because the school bus was late. Supco, thanks for getting us late. Anyway, you arrive and you're shoved into the front of this mass of like whatever it was, 1,300 boys. And you've got all these teachers staring down at you. And you're just like, have I landed in the army? I'm a bit intimidated here. Right? (laughs) And then, this is my first memory of Prince Edward in high school. Then all of a sudden, because everyone's silent, right? It's the first day of school of the year. You just hear a prefect go, stand! And then you just hear a shuffle of feet. <laughs> and then Mr. Barnes is coming. The legendary Mr. Barnes is walking through the, you know, on the grass from his office to come and take the assembly. And then he arrives and he's like, morning, gentlemen. And you just hear this, morning, sir, rumbling at you. And you're thinking, oh, my God, intimidated. And then he says, let us say the Lord's Prayer. And then all the form ones start going, oh, our father. And it was the most funniest thing ever. Because obviously, all these teenage boys, we don't, even Mr. Barnes said it. He didn't say, let us sing the Lord's Prayer. He said, let us say the Lord's Prayer. So everyone's just like, our oh, father, who art in heaven. Rumble, rumble, rumble. Blah, 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 blah. Thy kingdom come. Amen. And you're just like, oh, okay. Oh, wow. So yeah, high school. I'm in that state, obviously, you know, I'm like still new to high school. And one day they said, if you're interested in playing the violin, we have violins available and we have violin lessons available because we have a teacher who's doing an exchange gap here from England. So go and see her at break time at the school chapel. And I remember her, her name was Roxana Sarabi. And I went to see this woman and uh, she let me hold a violin. And I was like, I'd love to play this. And I started playing the violin and I absolutely loved it to the point where Every break time, I was in the music room playing the violin because I couldn't take it home. Obviously, it's expensive exp- instruments and you had to prove your dedication. So the violin and I quickly got married, if that makes sense. I was spending every moment of free time I could with the violin at school. And because of that, I excelled because that was f- second term form one. And at the end of first term form two, I already got awarded half colors for music. What does half colors mean? Half colors is this really strange. I didn't even understand what it was, to be honest, at 14. But it's like an accolade that you get. It's almost like, you know, a valedictorian kind of award where people with colors are usually the sports captain for rugby because he's, you know, uh, been exceptional at his craft. And so he gets a different blazer, the cream blazer. And you get like a nice tie oh. that says you are an, an honest student at your craft, if that makes sense. So... I got half of that to say, oh, this is already something that's very promising in this, you know, kid's career. And usually you would only get half colors when you are about form four. So 16, 17, you know, colors tends to go to the older pupils. So for me, as a wet nosed 14 year old who just turned 14 in form two, it was weird. I was like, oh, I get to wear a different tie and a different, in the same blazer, but a different badge that says half colors or meant half colors. So it was a really, really amazing thing to get but because i don't even know i i wish i could find out but i don't even know if anyone's gotten colors that young ever in the school history the the 120 years of school history because it's just not what you do you get it when you're older maybe if you're 13 and you're a national chess champion or something then you would get half colors right or colors so that's what happened beginning of form two and for me it just started to make me realize oh okay i obviously have something here because the world around me seems to think so and that same term, which is partly why I got the half colors or most of the reason why is because I had represented the school at the nationalized Stedford um, that we had. And I was the only pupil, if I remember correctly, in the entire 
uh, school that got a, a gold certificate on honors, which means 90% plus. So I think that was, it was like, wow, he's literally brought our own, our only gold home. So of course he needs to be, you know, rewarded for that because he's very talented, very promising. And it's only the beginning of his career, which is how I got on to get a scholarship from the school for cello and for violin at the conservatory, which is the Zimbabwe College of Music. Oh, wow. Like, I didn't even know we had a Zimbabwe College of Music, but like, that is super impressive. And that's how you're able to then keep affording music lessons as well and arts lessons. Absolutely. And that's a big part of the story you bring up because it's uh, true. First of all, the, the Zimbabwe College of Music is very important because it is what you would call the, the the national conservatory because it is the national you know institute for learning music but it's also very importantly attached to and part of the zimbabwe ethnomusicology center uh-huh. yes 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 so yes, they yes, are yes. one in the same and that's important to know and to note that there is that focus on ethnic music and you know the traditional instruments and so that's all happening right there next door to um the rainbow towers and the zano pf headquarters like that corner there not far from prince edward actually so i love that you just brought in politics not even like that's literally the building next door i'm just like okay, name cool. dropping the buildings that's that's the neighboring and and then on the other side is the museum the no what's it called the national yeah, I think it's History Museum or whatever it is. Our museum is also there, National History Museum or something. So that's where it is for people to understand that there's actually that happening right there. And it's an important part of our cultural history. Sweet. That's amazing. I'm going to take it back to something you said ages ago, but mm-hmm. just so that no one tries to come at you and cancel you. So Ryan is allowed to do an Indian accent. I am not allowed to do an Indian accent. Why? Because Ryan is actually half Indian. Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you have a message you want to share with the world or you think, ooh, it could be fun to have my own talk show like one guy, getting started is easier than ever. Here at Zim Excellence, we use Buzzsprout, which is hands down the easiest, most affordable, and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Start for free and list your show on directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more within minutes. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping and teaching you to succeed. Just check out their YouTube videos. They are filled with tons of information. So join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Sign up today using the link in the show notes or go to wongai.com forward slash podcast creation and you'll get a $20 credit if you sign up for a paid plan. It also helps support the show. So go ahead, sign up for Buzzsprout and keep me posted on your new podcast. Now back to the show. So I am part Indian. It's not even half. It's, you know, it gets complicated uh, because my, okay, my, cool. my grandfather was half Indian on my, on my mother's side. And then my dad's side, Korea, is actually from India. So our, our mixed heritage, and that's a whole other, you know, racial conversation, but like our as coloreds and that's the other thing another story to talk about but the word i'll just say it now the word colored for us as a community it's something from my perspective is that we are proud to call ourselves colored because you know as people of color colored means you're mixed 
And mm-hmm. whereas, you know, in America or the UK, it may mean something a bit more sort of derogatory. Colored people mm-hmm. are very proud of their identity. No, I'm actually mixed and I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm, I've got black in me. I've got Indian in me. In my case, other people have white, other people have Chinese. We've got so many different mixes. So I've quite liked that term as to go, hey, you just have different ethnic, ethnic backgrounds within your DNA. And that's totally cool. And I think that's rad. That's cool. No matter, you know, what kind of mix it is. So for me, that's a whole identity crisis I had growing up because I didn't know I'm quite dark, you know, and actually yeah. even that I refer to myself as a dark colored, which is people forget. I'm like, you've got to remember Indian can be dark too. <laughs> you know, yeah, literally. People. <laughs> I mean, in, in, like we, we talk about Indian people. We talk about people in South America. We talk about aboriginals, yeah. like, you know, we all yeah. came from Africa at the end of the day. That's why it's like the motherland, the mother continent. The but, oh yeah. Yes, but that I I thought I would throw that out there before people were confused and being like, why is he allowed to do this? This is problematic. But I was like, no, 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 no. Like, let's let's put it out there. Yeah, yeah. Ryan's frightened. I hear you. I hear you, and and I I respect that because I'm aware that there's because we just live and we just do. That's another conversation, I guess. But like, we live in a world where it's just so easy to 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 step wrongly, so to speak, according to someone's perspective or so someone's belief. So for me. Mm Personally, I will say that if someone was making accents or doing stuff, I don't feel offended by that because I'm an actor. That's what actors do all the time. And like even in Zimbabwe, talking about the time we grew up in, again, my best friends, one was Hemel, who is an Indian. Another was Reg, who's a black Zimbabwean. Another was Daniel, who was a white Zimbabwean. And we all sat as thespians and we we had accents all the time. And in class, we messed around with accents with each other. So for us... I have to say, we grew up in that where it was normalized. And I love that because it's almost like saying, let me just flip it a bit. It's almost like growing up, imagine growing up in a school and at a time where talking about mental health is just what you do. Hey, dude, how are you today? Really? Like, you know, oh man, my dad beat my mom last night and I'm kind of really tripping and I don't feel good. Oh man, you know what? Let's meet at break time and let's talk about it. Let's just see if we can help you out. As opposed to that bravado of like, yeah, you're just a you know, sissy. Or, and you got to like be extra tough and you, you become the school bully or whatever. So imagine that was normal. You would be an adult going, oh, it's normal to talk about uh, mental health and to be able to respect people's mental health and help them with it. So I feel like the accent thing could be similar for for us because we're so, it's normalized for us, you know? I I went to international school and that's a thing that we did all the time, but I guess it's like being outside of the bubble of international school and then being in the real world, you start to realize there is a small line between appreciation and just like, slight microaggression appropriation or like mocking if if that makes sense it, oh, it all absolutely. has to do with intention at the end of the day exactly what i was about to say to you intention yeah. is the magic word here for a lot yeah. of things in fact i'll drop this as well when it comes to things like any kind of um i guess you could call it um prejudice right racial mm-hmm. whatever it may be gender like it's all about intention i could say very nice words to you but the way i say them you would sit there and go mm, what did he mean by that yeah you know what i mean so that's what i think i think we we need to not get distracted by the the, the, the colorful flag everyone's waving but actually think about the hand holding the flag like let's go yeah. deeper here and say okay well forget about what you're saying like but what are you really saying or trying to say you know i think that's the, the important thing out of everything we're talking about actually here yeah. So this might be a really broad question for you, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What does being Zimbabwean mean to you? Wow. I will start 
by quickly going back, because I do realize you asked a question I didn't answer. Oh, I said uh, I started, a, you know, something I didn't finish, which was just quickly to do with the fact that you mentioned, you know, me getting a scholarship and being able to get lessons in the music world. That's the only reason I could do music because coming from a family background, which just money was always not necessarily uh, an easy thing for us. My parents worked very hard and they did the best. In fact, you know, we're lucky because my education, Prince Edward, you know, even that was a privilege. Like, wow, I got to go to Prince Edward. Thank goodness it was a government school. It wasn't as expensive as some of the private colleges. So I am really lucky because of the scholarships and stuff. I got to pursue my passion, which absolutely I did not, could not afford. Or should I say my parents would have never could afford my lessons for music or any of these extracurriculars. So they were included in my school education, which I'm so, so grateful for. Prince Edward School is a big deal for me. It's, it's allowed me to become who I am today. and going back to your your question being zimbabwean the words that come up are unique i think that's the first one because i feel like being a zimbabwean means that you sit in a pocket in humanity where a lot of people just don't know what they're looking at and they can't really get their heads around it because what they know or what they think they know or what they perceive generally tends to be way outside of the court of what the Zimbabwean that's standing in front of them presents. So for me as a Zimbabwean, I am an individual within an entire country-wide culture. And so I'm not like every Zimbabwean because we all have our uniqueness. But as a Zimbabwean culture, I feel like certain things come as a very likely part of the package. And that is, I find being Zimbabwean for me means I have this sense of community built into me that I really appreciate. I feel like there's a, a huge sense of humility that comes, which I think is a little too much, to be honest. I think Zimbabweans are the kind of people around the world, especially that you will find doing incredible things right in front of you and you have no idea they're doing them. And Zim excellence. There you go, right? Zim excellence. (laughs) That's part of it. It's like, it's almost like you're so busy being Zim excellent that you're not really worried about, you know, showing people or or, or being, so we're not very showy. I think that's a very big part of being Zimbabwean in my eyes. And I feel like it's something that I'm actually trying to push and, and sort of pull, yeah, just move the needle a little bit because if we could get just a little bit more, a sense of belonging and less of that imposter syndrome, we would Mm. be far better off. So as a Zimbabwean in my early forties now, that's what I'm trying to overcome to go, you know what? I'm okay with, taking the spotlight sometimes or with compliments. And I've had to learn because a lot of these things I ran away from for a long time. And in fact, one of the things is now it's like feeling this discomfort of going, oh my gosh, like, can you imagine growing up the way I did? Like, you know, I was often in the spotlight and I, and I wasn't comfortable. I was like, oh my gosh, no, 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 no. Don't, no, 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 forget about it. It's not about me. Like I'm trying to run away. And part of that is a disservice to the point where I'll give you a quick example. I was in Nashville, Tennessee, and I was there just for two weeks. I wanted to get out and be seen, you know, make some connections and like just forward the career because it's a very long journey I've been on and I've had to do a lot of moving around, which is really not good because you can't really grow anything if you have to keep moving. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I was there and I love America. Whenever I'm there, things just happen and I love their culture, that whole sort of believe in the idea and believe in talent. And and I've always gotten positive, you know, uh, reactions there. So from from a community slash career point of view. So I was in Nashville and there was this amazing singer 
who was on stage doing a Wednesday show, I believe. And she used to sing in Fleetwood Mac because she was, I think, Stevie Nicks's replacement when Stevie Nicks was in rehab. And so, Oh my gosh, I'm freaking out. Right. So, and she had an amazing voice. Her name is Becca Bramlett. So Becca's on stage and I'm just like, wow, she's amazing. She was singing at BB King's club and an amazing drummer. I remember CeeLo Green's drummer was her drummer, one of his drummers. And it was like a, it was a vibe. And I used to go in, I used to watch her. So I remember the drummer said to me one day, bro, you should go and ask her to sing, man, because we, that's the whole idea. We're going to get singers on stage and it's still a new show, but we should, you know, and I was like, oh my gosh. Okay, cool. But that Zimbabwean-ness in me, I was like, mm, I'm a bit scared, you know, to go mm. and just invite myself on stage. You know, I think that's the the humility I'm talking about where, you know how it is. You've, we've all met those people like, yeah. where you're just like, in fact, it happened on that trip where this guy who had his McCartney as his surname, I can't remember his first name, he was like apparently related to it, but he's literally slid across the floor to me and said, what's up, dude? I'm Paul McCartney's nephew and check out my car, dude. Like, I'm amazing. We should hang kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like opposite of what I'm about. So going to her was difficult, but I was like, hey, and she knew who I was because we'd been chatting. And I said, listen, um, I'd love to join stage with you at some point. She was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that sounds good, but give us a few weeks because we're still trying to get our show together. And I was like, actually, I leave in a week. She's like, oh, really? That's a pity. You know what? I like you, Zimbabwe. So how about next week? We'll try and make it happen. Okay, so give me your phone. So I was like, okay, cool. I gave her my phone. I was like, okay, what is she doing? And then she's like, okay, I'm going to write in my email address and you send me some links so I can check you out and then I'll see for next week. And I was like, sounds great. And then just very flippantly, you know, she was just like, so are you any good? And my response was very quote-unquote Zimbabwean in my sense of like, yeah, well, you know, I try. And, and dude, she practically bit my head off. Like there were expletives, like there were, there were F words were mentioned. And it was like, yeah. don't F and waste my time. Because do you know, you know what I mean? There was that kind of reaction. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh. And I knew what was happening because I've had to, as I said, address this and go, you know what? You've got to show up and not apologize for being who you are. So I knew that what was going on. So I did counteract that by saying, okay, listen, I'll be honest with you, okay, that's just my personality. I'm not someone who's very showy, but of course, I think we would be amazing on stage together. I wouldn't be asking you otherwise. I am good at what I do. That's why I'm here. And then she was like, oh, okay, fine. You know, if she was, if she was African, that's what it would be the... <laughs> Kiss my teeth, yeah. Right? But she was like, <laughs> give like me that look. It, it was the look of that, you know? She was like, okay, okay, fine. Give me your phone. And then she put her email address in and then I emailed her, right? So that's an example for me of what I mean. Like being Zimbabwean, it's just like this unpolished gem in many ways. And some of us have been lucky to get out there and do stuff. And I think that's another conversation altogether. But like, I've found that a lot of Zimbabweans who tend to excel internationally are the ones who are lucky enough to have some kind of heritage or ability to leave the country early yes. and go and yes. do their thing. Whereas mm -hmm. I took four and a half years after high school to, to get to, out of Zimbabwe. I was 23 when I could finally get a visa. I tried for four and a half years of my life waiting to just get on my my bus to life, you know? So I think it's been a long answer, but that kind of gives you an idea of what Zimbabwe and being Zimbabwean is for me. It's like kind of like this weird underdog, but I have a, a lot of faith in the underdog. I'm getting two things. So the first thing I'm getting is there are so many layers to what you were feeling when you had that moment in Nashville. As artists, we're already fighting um, imposter syndrome, and then that being a Zimbabwean thing as well. So it's like a very layered where you're like, which one is it right now? Is it both? Is it this one? Is it more this one? And then yeah. the other thing I'm getting is that I also think from a cultural perspective, the other reason why we're not showy is that then we don't want to jinx it. 
because it's like someone could curse us or like be jealous enough or hate us so much they'll go to nanga or or something or whatever so i feel like there's also that thing of like oh i can't tell people because then they'll want something from me or they'll not want to support me which isn't the best <laughs> mindset to have right. as an artist because then you keep thinking that like people are out to get you and the world is out to get you and you're just very like shut in which i think as a society that's something that we need to work on we need to work on supporting each other more and that's one of the reasons for zim excellence because i always find that a lot of us are whether we're in zimbabwe or outside zimbabwe we're ignored for so long until let's say ryan's won an award the cook-off is on netflix or something and then suddenly it's like oh yes he did it apinda he's waving the flag he's amazing but it's like but where were you for Ryan when he was like you know doing all these amazing things in high school or like when he was busking in London or whatever I'm making up examples but mm -hmm. you know what I mean we don't support each other enough I'm trying to be like the Nigerians who are like Naja not a carry last like Nigerians are like if <laughs> Nigerians and South Africans these are like the the two main groups of people again this is me generalizing but I find that when they discover another person is Nigerian or South African, it's like instantly, oh, we're family. Instantly, oh, we're friends. Oh, I support you. Oh, let me introduce you to some more Nigerians, some more South Africans. Like, oh, this, this, you know? But mm -hmm. Zimbabweans is like, I'm gonna keep it on a down low. <laughs> like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna like pretend I don't exist. And that's a trap I've also fallen for, like, for years and I'm just I it took me I think it was three years ago I realized this is something that I'd done I'm like oh this is why I have no clue what's happening in the Zimbabwean community because I've been hiding from it for so mm -hmm. long but again it's also layered with the fact and this is something that you'd also relate to the whole identity crisis and never feeling Zimbabwean enough I say this in air quotes um for the listeners but yeah mm -hmm. wow that's a, it's a trifle, you know, <clears throat> when you talk about layers, I'm like, no, there's some layers in there. And like, you bring up so many good points because that's exactly why I started African Astronauts. It's, it's designed to do that. And it's that picture of going, you know what, African Astronauts is the idea of not just Zimbabweans, but of course, it's coming from me as a Zimbabwean going, I'm an astronaut, I'm out in the world, I had, you know, the ability, thank goodness, and the guts to leave home to go and reach for greater things. And I'm yes. out in space, I actually have a song called Drowning in Space, because I'm like, I'm in space. And I'm just like, it's just me out here. And I'm like, where's everybody? So I've got to learn how to make a space station, I've got to learn how to make space food, I've got to learn how to make all sorts of stuff. But then a few clicks that way is another Zimbabwean astronaut doing something similar. And like you're saying, it's this thing of we come from this weird dichotomy where you learn to go, you know what? I've tried to get out there and to be vulnerable and ask for help. And I got I got burnt so many times. And you know, people are not always out for your for your benefit. So I'm just gonna keep my cards close to my chest and just get on with it. And I'm gonna build my space station. But then we have thousands of people now building different space stations unnecessarily because if we had all built one, we'd already have our own international space station. So I feel like that's part of what I'm also trying to encourage. Again, talking about the mental health, which I've referenced, it's like if people can come out and say, you know what, 
being vulnerable and sharing is just what you've got to do. And yes, you're going to get hurt. And yes, people are going to be, and that's how you get better again. All oh, right. I don't actually share stuff with Ningi Ningi because they're not here for my best interest, but I've now found my three best friends who got my back and they're my cheerleaders. And I always go to them. And now because of that, we've got our little Zim excellence thing going on, but I know who's in there because I wouldn't have found them if I wasn't putting myself out there, like you said. So for me, that's always been the way to go. It's like, Yes, it's scary. Same with me. I got on a plane with like a few hundred dollars to go and live in England with no real safety net, but I'd rather do that than stay at home and go, well, you know, I don't know who's going to have my back and I don't know. I just had to go and busk and make it happen. So that's my message, I think, is that if we want to change the narrative, that's one of the things I think we should change. And I do even do things like challenge some of our our elders. You know, there's a, a, a wonderful sort of a, a, yeah, memory I have of being in Victoria Falls with one of my friends. She had just moved back from America. Amazing, amazing woman, Meredith. And she was sitting with me um, at the Backpackers Lodge and we were chatting. And then this older local gentleman came over and he was like, Muzukuru, what, what? And he was talking to me about her right in front of her. And I was like, oh, and he literally God. was like, is this, is this, is this, is this, is this you know, is this your Musikana, what, what? And I was like, uh, I'm sorry, Mdara. She's right here. You can ask her yourself. Like, and, you know, but he was doing that thing of like, hey, Sissy, do you want to be my wife? And trying to ask for, and I was like, and I challenged him on that. I'm like, I get you got to respect your elders. But I was like, there's certain things I will not um, yeah. condone. And so I'm also about that to go, our heritage and our culture, there's a lot of amazing stuff that's in there, but we need to run the virus cleaning software and and extract the human software that is holding us back. And some of it is this misogyny and some of it is this thing of going, well, if I do nothing, I'm safer that way. It's like, no, nothing ever gets done that way. You've got to be out there. And of course, we're smart, we're resilient. So that's covered, but also be available and be able to take the punches. Because, you know, anyone, any of our, our heroes right now on the big screen, they'll all tell you their stories. And I mean, Sylvester Stallone is a great example. He had to sell his dog. Remember that story that went around? Because oh he had to sell yeah. his dog. And, and the script for, for Rocky, they wanted to give him peanuts. And he was like, no, it's my script and I'm going to be in it. But he had to go through that crap. You know, Stallone, um, sorry, Schwarzenegger, all these interesting people. So why not? don't be afraid of it you know go go and it's like choose your battles choose your pain because that's what i'm doing i've been homeless i've been traveling around the world with no money i've been hustling but i'm choosing my hustle because mm. the reward is not going to be life-changing it's going to be for me multi-generational changing <laughs> My friends, I hope you enjoyed part one, but before you go ahead and click play on part two, please, please, please go ahead, click that subscribe button, rate, review, and once you're done, meet me back for part two.